What up? Welcome in to another episode of Kai's Sports Opinion, brought to you by iFilm Cinema, cinema for everyone. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever time it may be where you are at. Thank you for making Kai's Sports Opinion and me, Kyle Durham, a part of your day. Happy Saturday, everybody. Got another round of playoff football today and tomorrow, but I'm not starting this episode off with that. Let's talk about James Harden. The big trade everybody's talking about, about Brooklyn's winning a chip in Houston, what are you doing? And Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, and how exciting it is. So, I think as far as sports, I think I see things differently than the masses. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Because when I see the James Harden trade, I thought of LeBron. And you're probably thinking, how would you think of LeBron? It's been very commonly known on this podcast, on the NYNP, if you ever talk to me in person about basketball, I think LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. LeBron has been my favorite player. I remember when he came into the league in 2003. Had a LeBron jersey when when I was uh, eight years old in 2004. I've always liked LeBron. LeBron's cerebral. LeBron is smart. LeBron plays chess. Everybody else plays checkers. So how would a James Harden trade make me think about LeBron? Because during the James Harden trade, going to Brooklyn and Brooklyn giving up four first-round picks, then three pick swaps, giving up Jared Allen, giving up Torian Prince, like just all these pieces being moved. I thought about, well, look at the situation Kevin Durant has gotten himself into. In my opinion, Kevin Durant had a pretty ideal situation in Oklahoma City. You just blew a 3-1 lead to Golden State. You're still revered. You're still loved in Oklahoma City. You and Russell Westbrook, y'all are brothers. You stay there. Even if you never win a championship, you're still seen as one of the greatest players of all time, a loyal player, loyal to a franchise like Dirk, Kobe, Tim Duncan. You're in that class. And a franchise puts your, your jersey up in the banners, even if you never win a championship. But instead, he chose to go to Golden State, which... At the time, you know, I was a little younger. I, I didn't like it. But he's a grown man. You can do whatever you want to do. Anyone win a championship. That's a good move. That's a good move. Go join Steph, in my opinion, the most selfless superstar in sports history. Go join Clay Thompson, a fantastic shooter. Go join Draymond Green. Literally, the walking, talking basketball Swiss Army knife can do everything. Win two championships, two finals MVPs. And then he gets his feelings hurt, and he bounces. And he goes to Brooklyn with the flakiest player in NBA history, Kyrie Irving. And if you follow sports, you know the Kyrie Irving situation. Um, I've seen stories that the Nets could void his contract if they wanted to, that him and Steve Nash, Kyrie Irving and Steve Nash, have not gotten along. And... Kyrie and and Kevin Durant wanted James Harden there, and James Harden wanted to be there. So to do that, you have to get rid of Jared Allen. You have to get rid of some other pieces. You have to get rid of draft picks. The Brooklyn Nets are now super top-heavy. Spencer Dinwiddie, out for the year. 
their starting lineup right now is Kyrie, if he plays, if Kyrie ever plays. But if everybody plays, it's Kyrie, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan. Now, how does this all tie back into LeBron? If Kevin Durant was th- was was thinking two, three steps ahead and thinking about his future, he might have never left Oklahoma City. He would have stayed there. Or he would have went to, went to Golden State anyway, won two championships, and then he would have went back to the place that it started, Oklahoma City, and finished his career there and be loved, have his jersey hanging in the rafters. But instead, he chose flaky Kyrie Irving as an, an impulse choice. I hate Draymond Green. Draymond Green called me the B word. I'm out. I'm going to go join Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving doesn't work with anybody. The fact that LeBron was able to work with Kyrie for as long as he did just is a testament to LeBron. So if you look at the trajectory of Kevin Durant's career, I feel like where he is at now, it is championship or bust. I I think there is a 0% chance that they win an NBA championship with that roster. Too many ball-dominant guys, only one ball. So, but how does this tie into LeBron? So LeBron's in Cleveland. Management won't get him the help. Very similar to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had some help. LeBron didn't. LeBron leaves, just like Kevin Durant. And he joins other players. Instead of going to the the West Coast, like Durant did, he went to the East Coast. He went to Miami. When LeBron goes to Miami, he knows, I'm coming back to Cleveland at some point. And he did. And he went back to Cleveland and took care of the business he couldn't take care of the first time. And he won a championship. Something that Kevin Durant did not do. He did not go to Oklahoma City and win them a championship. Or even get, never even went back. Then LeBron knows, a year into Cleveland, I'm getting into movies. The movie Trainwreck. I'm looking to do Space Jam 2. I'm looking to be more of a more global brand. I'm looking to be a movie star. I'm looking for business after basketball. So he goes to L.A. Knew that years before. He was going to L.A. The minute he dropped into L.A., he knew who he wanted to get there. I'm LeBron James. I like to get out and transition. I like to run the floor. Used to be a pretty good rim protector. I don't do that anymore. I was with Kyrie Irving. The the flaky, maybe talks a little too much, hard to work with guy. I'm not doing that again. I'm going to get a quiet guy that I already have a good relationship with that will protect the rim, that is known to protect the rim, and that can score with the best of them. I'm going to get a big guy that can defend the rim, and I can get out and transition and run and do my thing. And that's Anthony Davis. He knew years before, when he landed in L.A., there were already discussions about how do we get Anthony Davis here. And they did. And he won a championship off of it. So, when I heard the James Harden trade, I thought of Kevin Durant. I didn't think about James Harden or Kyrie Irving or any of that stuff. Or who got traded and all the the, the, the future picks. I thought of Kevin Durant. Look at where you're at, dude. This season, it's been Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets. It hadn't even been Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving ain't been there. It's been Kevin Durant. He's by himself again. Just like when Russell Westbrook was hurt in Oklahoma City, he's by himself again. And now you add James Harden, a guy that is extremely out of shape, has played awful this year. Maybe some of that was on purpose. If that's the case, if you're going out and 
and shaving points and playing bad on purpose on the court, that's a testament of your character. I don't want that guy on my team anyway if you're not going to play hard all the time. Kevin Durant had Steph Curry, in my opinion, the second best basketball player in the NBA. He had Klay Thompson, in my opinion, minus Steph, the best shooter in the NBA. He had Draymond Green, a guy that you can depend on to do everything at a high clip. Whatever you need him to do in that game, he'll do it. And he had Steve Kerr, a fantastic coach. They had, had a great owner, great fan base, just got a new stadium. And you leave for the earth is flat. I'm not going to show up to games. I'm going to trash LeBron in an interview, the greatest player I've ever played with, Kyrie Irving. There's stories in Boston about Kyrie that, boy, I wish they would come out because they're bad. You left. Golden State, for Kyrie Irving, and out of shape, I'm not going to try hard, and in the words of DeMarcus Cousins, it's been nothing but disrespect from James Harden here in Houston since training camp started, when he didn't even show up. Go listen to the interview of James Harden, when he talks about his last interview as a Houston Rocket. Says they're not talented. Says the team's not good enough. Says he's given the city everything. No, you haven't. You have not given the city everything. Because in life, when you have a problem with multiple people, when you fail to get along and fail to work effectively with different people, maybe the problem is you. Maybe the problem is James Harden. James Harden can't work with Dwight Howard. Houston Rockets go and get him Dwight Howard. Doesn't work. They go and get him Chris Paul. Doesn't work. He asks for shooters. They get him P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green, Trevor Ariza. They stack talent around him. They give him shooters. Eric Gordon, Clint Capella to, to defend the rim. Doesn't work. They get him his buddy, the Brody, Russell Westbrook. Doesn't work. They try and get him another guy that was a star and that they're going to revamp his career in John Wall. And work for a game. That's who Kevin Durant surrounded himself with. A guy that can't work with anyone. A guy that doesn't show up and thinks that the earth is flat. That's why he hadn't played. He's probably walked off the side of the planet. I mean, so when I said it made me think of LeBron James, it's because of how cerebral and how thought out every single LeBron James plan is. LeBron plays chess. Kevin Durant's been playing checkers. And because of the way that LeBron has never burned bridges and went back to Cleveland and won a championship and was successful in Miami and won championships and was a good teammate there with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and was must-see TV. Then goes to L.A., gets Anthony Davis, wins a championship, surrounds himself with good people. Kevin Durant's going to have zero jerseys and zero banner, right? have zero jerseys and zero rafters. And LeBron James is going to have three jerseys in three different arenas. Bang. <laughs> Knowledge. Um, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they hired Urban Meyer. And on the last episode, my dad and I kind of talked about it, and I said, I don't really know if I see that one happening. Well, now that it's happened, I look back and I go, that's the most ideal spot. It's the most ideal spot. If you remember whenever Pete Carroll was hired by the uh, Seattle Seahawks, his first four or five drafts were phenomenal. Phenomenal. Get Russell Wilson late. 
get Richard Sherman late, get Earl Thomas, get I mean, he stacked talent because he just played against all those guys. He knew he doesn't have to have someone go scout talent. He played against it. He coached against it. He knew these are players that are going to drop that are first-round talents that I can coach and make a good defense out of. And this is a quarterback that I've seen for the last three years, and he's good. So Jacksonville is in need of a full rebuild. So as far as scouting and getting young players in there, it would make sense to get a college coach that's been around the game for many years. So scouting, Urban Meyer's going to be great. So why else does this hire make sense? Um, are we forgetting that Urban Meyer won multiple championships with the Florida Gators? Jacksonville is Florida Gator territory. He's going to be loved. He's already loved there. He's going to get a longer leash than other coaches would get because it's Urban Meyer. You're in Florida. You're in Jacksonville. You're loved. So makes sense there why they would hire him. Next, he's an offensive-minded coach. He's an offensive-minded coach. And you got the number one pick, and you're going to draft the most, one of the best quarterback prospects in the last 20 years. Maybe Andrew Luck was better. The only two quarterback prospects I've ever heard of being might being better than Trevor Lawrence coming in the NFL was John Elway and Andrew Luck, who were both hits. The Colts just screwed up with Andrew Luck. So you get a guy that has been in the college game, so it's not going to be hard for him to draft. He already lives in Jacksonville, by the way, so he doesn't have to move, and it's Florida Gators company, or it's Florida Gators territory where he's beloved. He's a king. He's going to get Trevor Lawrence, a young quarterback, and Urban Meyer. Urban Myers is good with quarterbacks. He's an offensive-minded coach. He's got a bunch of cap room, like the third most in the NFL. He's They're giving him the ability to pick out his own staff as well, and something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, he's going into the AFC South. The last time an AFC South team won 12 games, I just had it pulled up here. The last time an NFC South team won 12 games was 2012. Houston Texans went 12-4. 13, Indy won 11. 14, Indy won 11. 9, I mean uh, 2015, Houston won 9. 2016, Houston won 9. 17, Jacksonville won 10. 2018, Houston won 11. 19, Houston won 10. And this year, Tennessee Titans won 11 games. No one in this division has won 12 games since 2012. So it's not like it's a particularly hard division. And then let's look around the division and go, well, who would Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer have to compete with as far as competitive quarterbacks? Okay, Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) Big deal. Phillip Rivers. He'll be gone. I don't even know who they're going to get. But whoever it is is not going to be at Trevor at Trevor Lawrence's level. I promise. But you go, well, Kyler Deshaun Watson's in the division. Houston's trading Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. So the best quarterback in the division day one for Urban Meyer is his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best quarterback in the division. Ryan Tannehill, you, you all know how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a good system quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Ryan Tannehill right now. And he hadn't even played a snap in the NFL. So I understand the Jacksonville hire. I get it. And once again, the this guy plays chess, this guy plays checkers. Urban Meyer plays chess. Look at his look at his career. He goes to Utah, where there's a coach that's been there forever that's gonna retire, had two losing seasons, they have a lot of talent. 
the coaches just already kind of packed it in. He goes to Utah, turns the program around overnight. Then he gets offered two jobs. He gets offered the Notre Dame job that is they've really been struggling, but still big brand, or the Florida Gators job, who's also really been struggling. It is known at the time that the Florida's head coach, Ron Zuck, fantastic recruiter, always has a top five recruiting class in the entire nation. So the talent's there. Ron Zuck just wasn't a good coach. So Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer goes there to Florida with Ron Zuck's talent, wins the national championship. Wins the national championship. Then he gets offered multiple jobs, and he takes the Ohio State job. Why does he take that one? Because he's playing chess. If he was playing checkers, he would have went to the, a bigger brand, or he would have stayed in Florida and just kept doing what he's doing. But when I'm in Florida, I'm in the SEC. I got to play Bama. I got to play Georgia. I got to play LSU. I have to play in the most competitive conference in football. If I go up to Ohio State with the Big Ten, I can dominate Northeast recruiting. The only big powerhouse school I have to beat is Michigan. Sometimes Michigan State's good. They're a give or take every year. So I'd be in a lesser division. I can dominate recruiting in the Northeast part of the country. And I can win another championship, maybe two. Who knows? Then he gets offered NFL jobs. But he doesn't see the job that he likes. So he goes into being an analyst. He, he goes into being on radio. He goes into commentating. And he's killed that. And he's just been patient. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. Then Jacksonville gives him a call. I live in Jacksonville. The division sucks. There's not really a great quarterback in the division. I've got Buku's a cap room. i got the number one pick. I can hire my own staff. Oh, yeah, and they are renovating and building new facilities in Jacksonville for the Jaguars. I don't know why last week I hadn't already put all this together that Urban Meyer is literally the perfect hire. And I think... I, I, I don't think that the first year there, there's going to be success. I think Urban Meyer Urban Myers is going, going to lose in Jacksonville more in this first coming up year than he's ever lost in a season in his entire life. But I think this is a fast rebuild. They got a lot of draft picks. They've got the number one pick. They're getting the quarterback they want. They got a lot of cap space. They're going to be fine. You've got an offensive-minded coach who's had success everywhere he's went who is patient, who is smart, who is cerebral, who never struggles with a playbook, has got a great playbook in college and will have a great playbook in the NFL. Urban Meyer the whole time. Urban Myers has been playing chess, just like LeBron. And these other guys that just take jobs, just the first job available, I'll take it, and just jump into a bad situation just so they can be an NFL coach, they're all, they all play checkers. So I'm really into this chess checkers thing today. I don't, I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. Um... Speaking of a team that uh, that plays checkers, um, the uh, the New York Jets uh, hired Robert Sala, the uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, as their head coach. And I usually hate what the Jets do. The Jets usually do play checkers. They just have a coach for two years, fire him. Have a coach for two years, fire him. Have a quarterback, get him out of the room. Like, they don't think ahead at all. They think in the moment. I think this one was thought pretty pretty well out, actually, because if you look at what the Jets had, the Jets had Adam Gase, kind of a quiet, not really, kind of just a, you know, kind of his own guy, doesn't get along with really anybody, just kind of laid back, um, an offensive-minded coach, but his offenses have always sucked, which makes no sense. The Jets went the exact opposite. 
Robert Sala, buff, bald dude that screams, that that gets pumped up on the sidelines, shoulder-bumping guy, like jumping in the air, meeting his own players in the air after they make a turnover. Just a intense, fiery guy that can own a room. When you're in a room with a bunch of billionaires and millionaire owners and stuff, you got to be able to own the room. And watch Adam Gase's opening press conference. It wasn't good. He didn't own the room there. Robert Sala in San Francisco in the defensive meetings owned the room. With the owner, owned the room. And with Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, Apparently, it was one of the best interviews he's ever had. So you go from quiet Adam Gase, who doesn't get along with anybody, to pump you up, fire you up, emotional, um, a coach that every player and every staff member has never said anything bad about. Everyone loves him and can be the – what's the word I'm looking for here? He can be the man in the room with a bunch of billionaires, millionaires, Robert Sala. So I like the New York Jets higher. I do. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, they uh, they signed or uh, they hired Arthur Smith, the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, as their head coach. And I'm not even going to act like I'm knowledgeable on, on this. I really don't know. We'll just have to see as far as how Arthur Smith does with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones locked into big deals they cannot get rid of. I feel like I felt like the Atlanta job was one of the jobs. I, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, or last week with my dad. The Atlanta job is a job that I would stay away from. Um, I I really they're in cap hell. Like it's just if you're a first time NFL head coach and this is your first job, that's not the job I would take. That's one of those chess checkers thing where it's just I'll just take the first job I get given. That's what I felt like that hire was, but I don't really know how that's going to play out. I don't really watch a lot of Atlanta Falcons football, which I don't think many people do outside of Atlanta. And no offense, no, you know, that wasn't a shot. I'm just saying, and I just know that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are on huge, de- huge deals. Matt Ryan, I mean, Arthur Arthur Smith kind of has a Kyle Shanahan like offense, so maybe that will work. But Julio, a lot of money, hurt a lot. Matt Ryan in the twilight of his career. I just don't know how that one's going to work. I want to talk about one more NFL coaching thing here, and then I want to get to another NFL kind of story or kind of topic here. So you see all these coaches, um, um, Eric Eric Bellinami, Urban Meyer, Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, um, Jason Garrett. All these guys are getting interviews and offers and – Whatnot, and the one guy that I never see is Nick Saban. And I tell my dad every single year, you know, who's going to hire Nick Saban? Who's going to who, who's going to have an interview with Nick Saban? Every year, I wouldn't, my dad, I wouldn't hire Nick Saban. He failed in the NFL. He's a college coach. He's too old. I've heard that one too. Nick Saban's too old. Well, first, if I'm Nick Saban, I'm never leaving Alabama. First off, I don't even take an interview. I don't take, no, no. I don't ever even take an interview. I stay in Alabama. I'm going to be the greatest college football coach of all time, one of the greatest coaches of all time. That's what I do. But this this theory, this thought that Nick Saban couldn't be an NFL coach and failed before is just blasphemy to me. It's stupid. 
Nick Saban's first year, he's 9-7. and seven. And then he wants to get Drew Brees, and team doctors tell him, not, no, we're not doing that. And the GM said, no, we're not doing that. We're not getting Drew Brees. Next year, Nick Saban goes ten and six, or goes goes six and ten. He gets fired, and Drew Brees has won a Super Bowl and is the all-time passing leader. So Nick Saban was right, y'all were wrong. So I, I don't call that a failure. You had two years, you had an eight hundred record overall, or close to, and you got fired. You didn't even get a chance. Age, everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's he's so old. He can't be he can't be in the NFL at that age. That's ridiculous as well. And let me tell you why. Nick Saban is 69 years old. The man who's about to run our country is 78 years old. Joe Biden won the election. He's 78 years old. That's, I mean, age. Like He's 78 years old. Um, Warren Buffett, number one stockholder in the entire country. He's 90. He's 90. Vince Scully sat up in a hot booth in the summertime till he was in his mid to late 80s calling games by himself. You see baseball games now, there's like four or five guys. There's people, or there's, there's two people in the booth. There's, there's a sideline reporter. Vince Scully did it by himself in his mid 80s in the summertime in a hot booth. Regis Feldman. Dude was on TV in his 80s, still being hilarious. Nick Saban's 69. Pete Carroll's 69. He just got a contract extension. Bill Belichick's like 70. He's going to coach for 15 more years probably, 10 more years probably, I think. I mean, Nick Saban is Nick Nick Saban's a healthy in very good shape dude. Nick Saban doesn't look like he's 69. Nick Saban looks like he's like 48, 50. He looks like he's like 50. So that's not I I I hate the argument of Nick Saban didn't win in the NFL before, was unsuccessful, and he's too old to coach in the NFL. Those are both flawed statements. And he would fail again. He wouldn't be able to blah, blah. He would kill because his first three drafts would be the best because he knows every player. He knows every player in the SEC. He plays against all of them. He watches film. He watches the teams that he's got to play in the playoffs. He's know, he knows what Clemson has. He knows what Ohio State has. He knows what Notre Dame has. He knows what LSU has. He knows. He would recruit better than anybody, just like Pete Carroll did, put together a great team immediately through the draft in the first year and a half, two years. And I feel like Nick Saban could be an NFL coach, but he's never going to get a call because everyone knows he's not leaving Alabama. And if I was him, I wouldn't leave Alabama either, and I don't blame him. And just to just to circle back on the Urban Meyer thing, just for a second, and then I'll I'll completely get off the coaching stuff. Um when Urban Meyer has a bad year next year, the first year, they win four games, five games, they improve, but they don't make the playoffs. They don't go 8-8, eight and eight, or they go 8-8, eight and eight, who knows? And people are already, well, we knew this wasn't going to work. We knew it wasn't going to work. I just want to throw out two names, and you tell me if Urban Meyer is a better coach than them, you think. Bill O'Brien and Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly had a lot of success in Oregon. Chip Kelly came to Philadelphia where Andy Reid was fired, where the Eagles went 4 and 12. First year, 10 and 6 won the division. Second year, 10 and 6 didn't win the division, but should have. And then the third year got some injuries, 
traded some guys, some front office business, went 6-9, and nine, got fired before the end of the year. Then goes to San Francisco, colossal, just horrible, horrible, devastating tenure there, gets fired back in college. I think Urban Myers is a better coach than him, and Chip Kelly had some success in the NFL. Chip Kelly had two 10-6 seasons, first two years, turned a 4-12 and 12 team around. Bill O'Brien, when he went to Houston, they were 2-14. and 14. First year, 9-7. and seven. Then 10-6, and 11-5, and 10-6, 9-7. He won four divisions. He won four, four divisional titles in like six years. Urban Myers is a better coach than Bill O'Brien. We think that Chip Kelly and Bill O'Brien can't coach. They were successful in the NFL. And I think Urban Myers is a better coach than them. So take your foot off the gas. Don't be hyperbolic. Take a deep breath and relax. At the end of next season, when Jacksonville's 5-11 and 11 or 7-9 and nine in that ballpark, and all of you, all of you Urban Meyer haters that want to hate on the college coach getting hired go, I told you it wasn't going to work. Take a deep breath. It's a rebuild. It takes time. And lesser coaches have had early success and gotten fired. Urban Myers will be fine. So we got four playoff games. Two today on the 16th of January. Two tomorrow on the 17th of January. We start off with the Rams-Packers today then the Ravens-Bills this evening. Then tomorrow we get blessed with the Browns-Chiefs game. I'm excited for that one. And then the Bucks and Saints. Then we got the championship games, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl. So we're almost there. Um, the favorites in these games are the Packers over the Rams, the Bills over the Ravens, Kansas City convincingly over the Browns, and the Saints over the Buccaneers. So I saw on uh, ESPN, and I heard Colin Coward actually talk about this as well, about if the underdogs win. So if the Rams win, the Ravens win, the Browns win, and the Buccaneers win, who takes the biggest hit for the team that lost? Rams-Packers. The Packers lose. Who takes the biggest hit? It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. When you tell me to name the best quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, and that's kind of where it stops. Because I think to be the greatest in your craft, we always talk about how you can't just weigh the level of success of, of, an, of an individual athlete based on number of championships. Well, the best, greatest quarterbacks of all time have won multiple championships. Um, I struggle, I struggle to put, if you tell me, if you name, if you ask anybody, name the top five quarterbacks of all time, a lot of people are going to leave Dan Marino off that list. Dan Marino, and not even think about it. Dan Marino was nasty. Dan Marino was one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Just could never win the big game. So you hold it against him. Brett Favre, you know, was the leading, was led the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns for many years until Drew Brees and Peyton Manning came up and broke those. Two great quarterbacks in themselves. But Brett Favre has only won one Super Bowl. I say only. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. But if you want to be considered one of the greatest of all time. You have to win multiple championships. Brett Favre didn't do that. Drew Brees. Drew Brees gets left off that list of the top five quarterbacks of all time. Drew Brees is the all-time passing leader. He gets left off because he's only won the one Super Bowl. 
Aaron Rodgers' legacy, if he does not win another Super Bowl in the next couple years, is going to be. He was a guy that had a lot of talent around him, a team that went 15-1 and and lost to the Giants as a nine-point favorite in the divisional round. Could win you a playoff game, but could never win you two or three. Won one Super Bowl. It's hard to get along with. Was great talent, but, you know, left some on the table. That's going to be Aaron Rodgers' legacy. I think Aaron Rodgers has the most to lose in this game because Matt LaFleur, you're a young coach. you got plenty of time. Devontae Adams, you don't put a lot of the heat on a loss on a wide receiver. You really don't. The defense, the defense has been okay, not great. But I think most of the pressure is on Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers lose, he is the person to blame. And if he does not get another Super Bowl, he could be left off that list as well when you tell people, who are the top three, top five quarterbacks that you think in NFL history? You win two Super Bowls, you're more likely to be on that list than you are if you win one or don't win any at all. So, uh, the Bills-Ravens. If the Ravens beat the Bills, who is going to get the most the most uh, hate? Who's going to get the most crap for it? And it's going to be people like my dad. <laughs> I know that sounds Aaron just looked up at me, sitting across me, just looked up at me. It's going to be all the people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that dog Lamar Jackson, talk about how he can't win and he can't come back and he's not going to be, you know, he's he, he's not a winning quarterback. I've said on this show, he's not going to win a Super Bowl and I stand behind that. As a starting quarterback with that style of play, I don't believe it's sustainable and I don't think you can win a Super Bowl that way. I'm not hating. I'm not being a hater. I'm just telling you what I see. I like Lamar Jackson. I hope Lamar Jackson plays for 12 years. This style. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's different. It's Michael Vick on steroids. It's awesome. But the people, if the Ravens win, the, the, the person that gets the most crap is all you haters. People like my dad that, oh, I can't stand watching Lamar Jackson. It's high school football. It's fun football. It's fun. The people on Twitter, he'll, he's not an NFL quarterback. Well, the guy that's not an NFL quarterback has just won two playoff games and wins 81% of his games. So... That's who gets the most heat and is under the most pressure there is the Lamar Jackson haters. Because if Lamar wins, you guys got to shut up. Because he's now in an AFC Championship game in year number three. More than a lot of guys ever achieve in their entire careers. My favorite one, by far, if the Browns beat the Chiefs. Now, I don't understand this 10-point line. I don't. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't get that line at all. But if the Browns beat the Chiefs, who gets the most pressure? Who who is who gets the most scrutinized? It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes. Because the team really, really started to slow down at at at, at the last half of the season. Didn't play their best football. And you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL, better than most wide receivers. Best tight end in the NFL. You've got a plethora of running backs. Um, Le'Veon Bell, um, Carlos Herrera, I can never pronounce it. Carlos Edwards Hilaire. Um, you got a good offensive line. Harden, Sammy Watkins. You got, you got talent around you. And everyone wanted to already anoint you as a dynasty when you only won one Super Bowl. Winning a Super Bowl in general is hard. Winning multiple Super Bowls, there's a reason we don't have a bunch of dynasties all the time. 
There's a reason New England's the only dynasty in the last 20 years, and it took them 20 years to win six Super Bowls. You'd think a dynasty would rattle off five in a row. No, it takes time. So I think the biggest person, I think the person that takes the biggest hit would be Patrick Mahomes because the talk of this isn't a dynasty. They didn't, re- they didn't repeat. This isn't, they're not a dynasty. He would be blamed for the loss. Even if he played flawless and the defense fell apart and, and Baker and the Browns offense tore the Chiefs defense to shreds, somehow it would be a way to make it Patrick Mahomes' fault. The quarterback's the guy that gets the blame. And I think that if the Browns do beat the Chiefs, that Patrick Mahomes is the guy that gets blamed, but he's already got a Super Bowl, already got an MVP. That scrutiny's not going to be that bad. That is the lesser of the scrutinies that someone could get of this list I'm naming off here. And the last one, the Buccaneers at the Saints. The Saints are the favorite. If the Buccaneers find a way to win this game, the person that receives the most heat and it might not even be heat from the media, from social media, from other people. It would be heat from themselves is Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees hangs it up after this year. I think this is Drew Brees' last year. Drew Brees would love to retire as a Super Bowl champion. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the Saints win a Super Bowl and Drew Brees go out on top and win his second Super Bowl because now he's in the conversation of top five quarterbacks. Well, Drew Brees is the passing leader and won two Super Bowls and as an MVP. So I think if they if if they lose to Tampa Bay this week that Drew Brees will be the most scrutinized but by himself like to himself internally he will scrutinize himself because this was his last chance to win one more Super Bowl for himself for the city of New Orleans for his coach Sean Payton and he failed. And he failed to Tom Brady which makes it a little bit worse for him as well. So if all the underdogs win this week, that's who I think gets the most blame from each team. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers loses, the narrative is Aaron Rodgers is 10-9 and nine in playoffs. And in, in the playoffs, he's 10-9. and nine. Since he's won his Super Bowl, he's 6-8 and eight in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers got one Super Bowl. He's never going to win another one. And he's going to be kind of that great, great talent that couldn't get over the hump. He did once, but... He's going to be kind of left off that top five list. Ravens, Ravens win, Lamar Jackson haters. The Browns win, Patrick Mahomes will be scrutinized a little bit. And if the Saints win, Drew Brees will be beating himself up. Or I mean, if, if the Saints win, if Tampa Bay wins, Drew Brees will be beating himself up. So let's get to these games. Rams at the Packers. Now, Aaron and I had a bet on the NYMP, and I took the Packers to make the Super Bowl. So this isn't going to make sense what I'm about to do. Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Jared Goff has not played good. Jared Goff's been hurt. But the Rams' defensive line is too much. I think you will see in the first two or three possessions, watch the offensive line of the Green Bay Packers. If the Rams are in their backfield early, they'll be in their backfield the whole game. I think if the Rams can get all over Aaron Rodgers, which they have in the past, I think they can beat the Packers. I'm going to take, I hope I'm wrong, because I don't want to just have a mustache. It's a bet Aaron and I made. I want the Packers to win, and I don't like the Packers. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I think the Rams win this game. I think the Rams win a sloppy game because the Rams' offense is not super like 
high scoring like it was, and Jared Goff is a shell of himself, but I think the Rams' defense, Jalen Ramsey will shut down Devontae Adams, and Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Michael Brockers, they will destroy the Packers' finesse, feeble offensive line, and they will be in Aaron Rodgers' backfield and on his back all day. And I think the Rams find a way to win this game. I'm going to take the Rams to win. Ravens at the Bills. I think the Lamar haters are going to have a lot to talk about because I think the Bills win this game. I think the Bills make it to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I really, really do. I think the Bills make it to the Super Bowl. That was my other pick, the mustache bet. I took the Packers and the Bills. I think the Bills make the Super Bowl. I really, really do. Um, I just, I think as far as as far as a quarterback over four quarters from start to finish, I feel like the Bills have the better quarterback in this game. Lamar's awesome. Um, I, I feel like the Bills will be able to contain the Lamar Jackson run better than, um, I can't talk, better than the Titans did. The Titans weren't able to control Lamar on the ground. There's a blueprint for how to stop Lamar, and I think the Bills will be able to do it. I think Tredavious White, very good corner. Um, I think Sean McDermott's done a good job. Uh, I just, I, I just, I feel like the Bills. It's a two and a half point line. I think the Bills win this game, and I think the Bills cover, so they win by at least three or more. I feel good with that too. I think the Bills beat the Ravens. Browns at the Chiefs. This line makes no sense to me. No sense. It's a 10-point line in Kansas City's favorite. Kansas City has not won a game by 10 points since week 9 against the New York Jets. The last half of the year, they won those games, but they did not play good. They were up 21-0 on Tom Brady and only in and, and Tampa Bay and only won by two points. They only scored one more touchdown the entire game. They scored 21 points in the first quarter. The Kansas City Chiefs, to me, are inconsistent. I don't. They're the most talented team in the NFL. They have one of the best coaches in the NFL. But the last six, seven weeks of the season really, really bothers me. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Cleveland, who starts extremely fast. Cleveland has led at halftime ten times this year. Take a wild guess what Cleveland's record is when they go into halftime leading this year. It's 10-0. and 0. When they've led at halftime, they have not lost. Cleveland starts fast. The Chiefs have historically started slow. This time last year, they were down 28 to nothing to the Houston Texans and came back and won. I don't think if the Chiefs find themselves down 21-0 to the Browns, who are a fast team, who can run the football, who can control the line of scrimmage, who pro football focus has ranked as the number one offensive line in the NFL, Baker's played well. They've ran the ball down people's throats. I don't understand this 10-point line. I think if Cleveland is able to come out fast, get a 14-point lead, Kansas City does not recover from it. That being said, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. But if I was betting, there's no way in hell I'm going over this line. I think the Chiefs win by close to maybe two to six points in that ballpark, I think this is a close game. I think this is a lot closer than what Vegas and what other people think it's going to be. I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but I would not be surprised if the Browns find a way to win this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Browns go up early 21-3 or something like that and never give up the lead and just lead the whole time. Because, like I said, 
The Chiefs have been starting slow, and the Browns have started fast. But the Chiefs are like a team I've never seen that can score faster than anybody and whenever they want. So, Saints are hosting the Buccaneers for the final game of the divisional round. New Orleans is a three-point favorite. I think after this week, Aaron just has a mustache, potentially. You pick the Chiefs, right? Yeah. So if the Browns beat the Chiefs, you're down one team. Tampa Bay has already lost the first two against the Saints. I think they lose again. I think they lose again. It's a three-point spread. I think the Saints cover that spread times three. I think they win by at least nine points. I think they blow out Tampa Bay again. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me three times. I'm an idiot. I picked Tampa Bay. (gasps) Not the first time. I took the Saints week one. Week nine, I said Tampa Bay was going to roll the Saints, and they didn't. I thought week one the game would be close between the Saints and and and, and the Buccaneers, but it was not. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm not doing that three times in one year. I'm taking the Saints convincingly, and if the Browns win, Aaron just has a mustache until a week after the Super Bowl. So for a month. That's great. Um, I want to wrap this up real quick. I want to talk about three facts, three opinions. Haven't done this in a while. And then I have to go to work. Surprise, surprise. All right. My three facts going into the divisional round of the playoffs, as well as we are already about 14, 15 games into the NBA season that has been shortened from 82 to 72. So we're about a quarter of the way through the year already. My number one fact, the Lakers will repeat. With all the jumbling around going in the NBA right now, Houston Rockets falling apart, the Nets add James Harden, uh, the Pacers trade Victor Oladipo, um, the 76ers look good one night, then don't look good the next night. I don't know what I'm getting. Golden State, Steph comes out and drops 50, 60, and then the next, I mean, the next night they lose. James Wiseman looks good one night, then doesn't look good. The Spurs, I don't know what's going on. The Mavericks, everybody has COVID. Like, the only consistent in the NBA right now has been the Lakers. They have the best record in the NBA. LeBron's playing great. Anthony Davis is playing great. They made their team better in the offseason, I believe, adding the pieces they added, adding Montrez, adding these different guys. I think the Lakers are better than they were last year, and I think it's an absolute fact that the Los Angeles Lakers repeat as NBA champions. My number two fact, John Gruden will be fired after next season. I believe this next season is John Gruden's last with the Raiders, and then he goes back to TV. Um, I know it, it sounds like I've been hard on John Gruden. I'm not hard on John Gruden. I'm just honest. I think John Gruden is more, more. he's more flair over substance. Um, there's a reason that John Gruden's teams fall apart at the end of the year. There's a reason, like I said a couple weeks ago when I was discussing, that John Gruden is the only coach in NFL history three times to have like be like six and two or whatever it was, five and two or something, and then miss the playoffs. And he's done it three times, almost four times. It's something like that. It's some stat like that I, I can't remember. Um, his winning percentage in the playoffs is not great. His winning percentage in general, it's not like this historic level. So his teams get worse as the year goes by. November, December, his teams don't win. He wins like, I think it was like 30% of his games in December or something like that. It's horrible. He can't finish seasons, and I think once this happens again, because it happened this year, they were a good team, they fell apart, missed the playoffs. November, December were horrible. I think if it happens again, 
when it happens again. This next following NFL season, John Gruden gets fired, and we don't see him coaching the NFL ever again. But John Gruden knows what he's talking about. He'll still have always have he'll always have Gruden's quarterback camp. He'll always be able to be a color commentator or an analyst. John Gruden's got options. John Gruden is a is a great great personality. I just struggle with thinking that he is a legendary coach. I think he's a good coach. I just don't think he's a great coach. Number three, I want to go into UFC boxing for a second. I've heard that Jake Paul is looking at a 36-month time frame of when he will fight Conor McGregor. That is when he's looking to be ready is, is 36 months. That does not matter to me. They can fight in a boxing ring. They can fight in a UFC ring. They can have a pillow fight. They can fight in a parking lot. Conor McGregor wins every any scenario that Conor McGregor and Jake Paul fight. No matter how long Jake Paul t- takes to train, and no matter how old Conor McGregor gets, Conor McGregor wins that fight every single time, no matter the stipulation. Doesn't matter. So fact number three, when Conor and Jake fight, Conor will murder Jake. First round knockout, potentially. First or second round knockout, potentially. So those are my three facts. Here's my three opinions. I think the Lions, number one, I think the Lions will trade Matthew Stafford. Um, I think, I think whoever they hire to replace Matt Patricia, um, which he won't be hard to replace. He's not a good coach. I think whoever they get to replace him, I think their first order of business is what they need to do at the quarterback position. And in my opinion, if I was taking over those reins, I like Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's a great talent that's been wasted, which is sad to see. Very similar to Barry Sanders where you just waste a dude's talent. Very similar to Calvin Johnson where the Lions just waste great talent. But I think if they are going to actually get a new coach and do a full rebuild, you got to start with quarterback. You got to move on from Matthew Stafford, and I think that they an opinion is that they will trade Matthew Stafford this offseason. Not an absolute because I'm not sure anything can happen, but that one for sure. I'm mean, that one's an opinion. I think I think they'll trade Matthew Stafford. Number two, let's stay in UFC boxing. Let's stay with the Paul brothers. Opinion number two: Floyd Mayweather and Logan fight. When is it? February twenty. 20- 20th? February 20th, so about a month away. I think Logan pushes Floyd. An opinion. I think Logan pushes Floyd. Because Floyd's style of boxing, because Floyd doesn't have the knockout power that he once had, and because of his defensive style of fighting, I think the fight goes on longer than you would imagine. I think we see this get into the 5th, 6th, 7th round before Floyd finishes it. I think Floyd definitely finishes it, but I don't think Floyd finishes it in one round 1, 2, or 3. I think this gets pushed out four, five, six, seven, just because of Floyd's defensive fighting style, the differential in size, and the lack of knockout power that Floyd used to have, but he doesn't have any more because of age. So I'm not saying that Floyd's going to look bad. I think Floyd's going to kill Logan. I think Floyd wins every single round. But I think Logan is able to push the fight longer because of the way that Floyd's going to approach this fight and because of his age and because of size differential. So I think Logan's going to have the ability to push this fight into later rounds. My number three opinion, the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo together will never win a championship. Never. Never, never, never. Giannis, I watched Giannis go, I think it was like 2 for 12 from the free throw line against Dallas the other night. The dude can't shoot. The dude can't shoot. And he has not, he's never fine-tuned his ability to shoot. He had one good game last year where he shot very well and it was against the Lakers. After that, he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't hit the red side of a barn. 
if he's not right at the basket getting a layup or a dunk using his ungodly athletic ability, I feel like you can if you can keep him from getting into the paint, you can limit Giannis big time. And I think what has happened to the Bucks in the playoffs the last couple of years is what I believe is going to continue to happen. It's going to be a superstar player that won MVPs. I don't think he should have won either MVP, but he, he has. So a two-time MVP that can't ever get to the NBA Finals, that can't ever get over the hump. And I think as long as the Bucks and Giannis, as long as Giannis is that number one in Milwaukee, I don't think they'll ever win a championship. All right, y'all. I got to wrap this up. I'm going to be at work in like five minutes. I'm going to be late. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, have a good Saturday. Have a good Sunday. Enjoy playoff football. Um, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash NYNP. Support there helps immensely. Immensely helps. Helps us buy equipment, get merch. Um, helps pay some bills maybe. Who knows? Go to patreon.com slash NYNP. Also merch. Merch is made to order. Message me on Snapchat, Calderm21, or message Aaron, Aaron Cross 15 They're made to order. Tell us what size you want. Tell us what design you want. Go to iFilmCinema.com to look at the designs. Um, go listen to the AOC. That episode comes out Wednesday, episode one, season six, uh, NYMP every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, I think that's it. All right. If you are a loved one, suffers from depression, get help, get help, get help. I think, yeah, that's it. All right, let's go Bills. Let's go Packers, even though I picked the Packers to lose. Let's go Saints. Let's go Browns. I want Aaron to just have a mustache. I'll see you all next week.